Here in the San Francisco Bay Area, they just extended the shelter-in-place orders. And probably like you, this global pandemic really screwed up my plans for Sexploration with Monica. I had planned to record interviews at an esoteric philosophy conference in France, but COVID-19 spiraled out of control before I could get there. So I was almost stranded in the south of Spain, and just in the nick of time, I was tipped off by a gorgeous Air France flight attendant as flights were being canceled right and left, including mine. And so I didn't trust EasyJet to actually be able to fly me back to Paris two weeks later as rebooked. So I was able to repatriate myself the very day the U.S. State Department issued their level four do not travel mandate. Whew! Maybe next year we can go to the esoteric philosophy conference in France. Right now, I am quarantined in my home, and I have been researching fun enlightenment and the connection between orgasm and transcendence, and working on interviews with tantricas about how they use orgasm to access higher states of consciousness and manifesting or femifesting to access the quantum field of infinite possibilities. Those interviews coming up. Sexploration with Monica has an exciting new sponsor, Professional Lab Testing. They're working on an at-home COVID-19 test in a few months, but right now you can get 20% off hormone, STI, and vitamin checks at trylgc.com sexploration. It's perfect for shelter in place because you don't even have to leave the house. And I will tell you all about it at the break. Let's explore orgasm with Marcy Prohofsky of orgasmickitchen.com, former head chef at One Taste, a.k.a. the Orgasmic Monks. And we'll also have Dr. Amy Cooper in the second half of the show, author of the Everything Orgasm book. We are blasting back to the past, but I bet you haven't heard this episode. We are going to be talking about events that aren't happening, but nothing is happening right now in San Francisco. So let's just enjoy sexy Valentine's Day dinners, creating a couple's night that really sizzles. Let's talk about real-life aphrodisiacs and orgasmic eating. Marcy Prohofsky is also sheltering here in place in the Bay Area. And with everyone cooking at home, she's helping clients create healthy, pleasurable, time-saving meals at orgasmickitchen.com. This is sex. Everyone gets what they want. This is sexploration. Explore. Play. This is Sexploration with Monica. Sex is proof that God loves us and wants us to have fun. Sexploration with Monica at sexplorationwithmonica.com. 
Our guest for this segment is lifestyle coach Marcy Prohofsky of OrgasmicKitchen.com. She has researched daily orgasmic living with the Orgasmic Monks in San Francisco. You can connect with her on Facebook at Orgasmic Kitchen. And our token straight guy is Anthony. Hi, how are you? Fine, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Are you really fine? Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot, got a lot going on. Right. 15,000 parties coming up this weekend. The Sweethearts Ball at Kinky Salon. There's the Society of Janice Munch tomorrow at the Thirsty Bear. Do you know what the Society of Janice is? No, what is that? BDSM scene. Exactly. It's like a secret society of BDSM. I mean, I guess it's not that secret because we get to talk about it on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) At least they haven't told me not to talk about it. But anyway, Society of Janice, you can find them at SOJ.com. So you just have a lot on your plate, a lot on your calendar. Let's talk about what Marcy's got simmering in her kitchen. And by the way, you're very sparkly. Thank you for... I wore my sparkly jacket. Yeah, good work. Thank you, thank you. So, Orgasmic Kitchen, what's simmering on your stove this weekend? Socially, what's simmering on my stove? (laughs) Because it's social and it's kind of a metaphor for what you're doing. And then also kind of quite literally, I bet there's some interesting things going on in your fridge right now. There are. In fact, this simmering sister is single, so... Actually, I have a couple of dates brewing this weekend Fun. that I'm sort of weaving into my life in various different ways. But one featured event is we're throwing a big vegetarian dinner house concert with live music to raise money for Haiti. Oh, fun. Yeah. So I'm and really important. excited about that. Important. So we're going to sort of do this spread the love kind of internationally. Mm, nice. It's in the East Bay. I've heard such a place exists. East Bay does exist. It's in Point Richmond, right on the bay, and Mm -hmm. my big, beautiful house that overlooks the Golden Gate Bridge and the water, and it's an extraordinary place. And actually, the people that owned it were all musicians, and so the acoustics in the house are extraordinary. So it's going to be good. Nice. So for Valentine's Day, a lot of people are going to be cooking these big, rich meals, the steak, the red wine, the chocolate. You were telling me about a New York Times article that unfortunately I missed. You said that chocolate wasn't really very effective as an aphrodisiac. People would have to eat a gob of chocolate. I (laughs) I think in that New York Times article, they were talking about the amount that you would have to eat. The amount that you'd have to eat and whether aphrodisiacs, the myths around it. It was five pounds or something. Something Yeah, 25 or 30 pounds of chocolate. A a woman my size, about 115, 20, 30 pounds, would have to eat at least a third of her body weight <laughs> in chocolate in order to feel the effects of the aphrodisiac. The aphrodisiac in quality. like one sitting. Yeah, in like one sitting. So you would oh. feel pretty awful you'd, after eating that amount of chocolate. You'd, I'm sure you'd, there's. You'd probably be throwing up. You'd be pretty messed up. <laughs> I'm sure there's some woman who could do it. How romantic. Well, no, I mean, your, your stomach only holds two pounds worth of anything. Mm. So, I mean, once you put more than two pounds of anything in your body, you're going to start feeling like. Sick. Uh, it's and funny. They were dissing in the article. They were poking fun at a lot of restaurants that have these like really ornate, very mm. rich, decadent Valentine's Day meals that they charge a whole bunch for. Because there's you know, powdered rhinoceros horn in the y- souffle. Yeah, yeah. And like huge filet mignon and like mm-hmm. gobs of wine. And mm-hmm. I must say, you don't feel like having sex after that. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's know, so heavy and yeah. fattening. I mean, I had a several course meal at Gary Danko's, wine pairing, the whole thing. And mm-hmm. And I was being wined and dined by a very special someone, and it was very specially snoring afterwards. Right. I was so tired. I couldn't even right. cope. Even at, like, French Laundry, I remember, mm. sitting there by, like, coarse 
nine, mm-hmm. I was falling asleep yeah, at the course table. Nine. I love San Francisco. <laughs> it's so indulgent. It's so absurd. All you wanted right. to do was go home, unloosen your belt buckle, lay down on the couch and yeah. snooze off. And they said that, in fact, it was smells that were more... That had more of an aphrodisiac quality than even the taste of something. Yeah, it's smell connected in large part to memory. They sort of experimented with a whole bunch of different food combinations. So they mm-hmm. came up with pumpkin pie and licorice. Oh, so specifically That combination. Were, yeah, specifically mm-hmm. people were responsive to the smell of good and plenty. Remember the candy? Oh, really? Yeah, and I oh, think weird. of pumpkin pie, you know, that's very good comfort Good and plenty food. and pumpkin pie together. You know, these <laughs> comfort foods from when we were a kid, right? Sure. Licorice. Thanksgiving meals with the family, cozy, warm. Right. And so that was one combo. And then the other one, what was it? There's donuts and something donuts. else. Oh, and it was donuts and licorice. Donuts and, and licorice. then it was the pumpkin pie and, shoot, I can't remember. And then lavender and something lavender else. Lavender and pumpkin pie. That's what Lavender it was. and pumpkin pie. Mm. Yeah, like strange combinations that you would never think, but they did a study based on just how it smelled and then the two combinations together. And didn't you say something unusual that avocado was? Avocado is kind of like the aphrodisiac prime thing if you're gonna go for something that's aphrodisiac worthy right you know you don't have to eat 30 pounds worth of avocados (laughs) to actually get the effect so it Mm -hmm. it's really fabulous for both male and female stimulus the way it smells no not the way it smells but what actually it has in it the components in it you know it's got potassium it's got beta carotene magnesium b6 all sorts of really fabulous things that are really great for monounsaturated fatty acids so eating avocados makes you horny is what i'm hearing well there's also the Um, texture too well it's it's not just about like the the chemical properties of Mm -hmm. foods it's really about the texture the memories it evokes Mm -hmm. i don't know about the smell necessarily of avocado that really doesn't quite do it for me right but combine that with chocolate in fact i have a really a fabulous chocolate mousse recipe believe it or not that you can make in 10 minutes Mm. With avocados. Oh, really? Yeah, and it doesn't turn out green. It still resembles like a rich oh, brown chocolate mousse. Super healthy, no sugar. Oh, wow. Yeah. So and it's... because it has doesn't have animal fats in it, it's much it's much easier for you to digest. So you're not feeling like ugh. Afterwards. Yeah, and you just need like a tiny bit, and just like think you mm. can just like you know. But a lot of it is like how you feed yourself, or how mm. you're fed, mm. or how you're feeding someone. Oh, right. So, you know, a lot of the turn-on actually comes from that experience. So you're actually using food to flirt and play and and connect. Yes, and connect. And I always love to encourage people to slow down. Mm. You know, when I'm coaching people, whether it's around their relationships or sensuality or their cooking, you know, whatever it is, to slow down. Mm-hmm. I have that problem. I do everything fast. Everybody and eating when you're standing up. Fast. Eating when you're yeah. standing up over the sink. Yeah, I mean, just l- a cereal bar. <laughs> like two years ago, I, here I am, like this sensual advocate, you know, mm-hmm. hosting this show about erotic writing, and it's supposed to be this stand for eroticism and sensuality. And I was living at a pace that was so unpleasant. Frenetic. There were times mm-hmm. frenetic. Yeah, mm-hmm. eating frenetic. fast, driving fast, everything doing fast. the dishes Always fast. Always being stressed out. Yeah. Thought I ate pretty healthy, but then I shifted gears and started, I went on this healing diet. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was for me is that I had the, heard these little whispers to slow down, mm-hmm. but I was on track. I was, you know. I'm getting stuff done. Exactly. I have agenda. You know, yeah, right. you know making right. money I wanted, all that's this sort right. of stuff. And I kept hearing these whispers, slow down, slow down. Finally, right. I did by going to Yosemite. And spraining both ankles and oh. breaking my foot. So I, oh. you know, two. So life no. is all like full stop. Yeah. So yeah. the gift was that I had a chance to really slow down mm-hmm. and get my relationship with food and 
doing all of that slower. Well, here's the thing: to eat slow, like if you go out to a Valentine's Day dinner at a restaurant, you eat, eating slow, they want you to get in and get out. The other thing is too is like feeding each other essentially, like in a restaurant setting, might seem awkward to the person who's sitting there, and then also to the other people around. And then plus they hike up the cost of what they sell at restaurants. So really, stay home for Valentine's Day yeah. and do all of that at home. Where it's more comfortable, you can take your time slower, and you're not paying more money. I love that it. It's great. You are like my kindred spirit. Yes, eat home. I mean, I have saved gobs of money shifting my eating habits to eating more at home and taking the pleasure. Because really, you know, with all the decisions, time, you know, mm-hmm. the going to restaurants, ordering, it doesn't really save that much time in many ways by going out to eat. Sometimes it takes more time. It takes more time. But I love it. You know, stay home. And you can't really say what's on your mind at dinner if you're like in a public place. You know, you can't be like, guess what I'm wearing or, you know what I mean? You You can't really be like. Each course you remove an additional piece of clothing. Exactly. Exactly. You You can't get as sensual as you want to in a restaurant sometimes because like I said, you feel awkward about it or the people around you start to take notice and feel awkward about it. And then you have the wait staff kind of bugging you like hurry up, which is what I was saying, Mm -hmm. you know, and you you shouldn't care what they think. But at the same time, you got them hovering around you or coming to your table and bussing the stuff and you're like, oh, we're in the middle of an intimate moment here. And you're like wishing you were just alone. So a lot of people think go out for Valentine's Day, but no. Stay home. Stay home. You're really thinking about how to cook for a special night for two. What sort of things would you have on the menu? You know, what sort of things would you counsel people when you're cooking for a couple? I mean, there's a couple things. One, a light meal. Mm-hmm. You know, none of the like heavy duty steaks kind of that we referred to a second right. ago, right? Because then you're just going to want to sleep. I would eliminate alcohol too, or be very modest because it it's might a depressant. Well, it it stimulates the desire, right? But then it, but it like <laughs> it takes reduces away the judgment. It reduces the judgment. All right. Well, that sometimes that's actually a good thing, right? right? You know, because people you know loosen up, up there. <laughs> but it'll make but, you fall asleep too. Yeah, it makes you fall asleep. Yeah, so totally. it reduces performance. I mean, Shakespeare said in Macbeth, you know, it provides the desire, but it takes away the performance. Right. Alcohol does. And it makes you less able to sense, like it actually numbs the skin. Yeah. So one of the things I love to do, Mm. and I love to encourage clients, create a sort of a ceremony. Get a couple of things. I mean, this is kind of after you've eaten or, you know, just like a a tease Mm -hmm. ceremony, basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you could take a pear. Mm -hmm. This is the lineup. Thinly sliced a pear. Mm -hmm. Thinly sliced lemon. Mm. Caper. A little nugget of really good, like, Himalayan sea salt. Huh. And what else would I do? Oh, I would probably melt a little bit of really excellent chocolate. Okay. And then gradually you can just, like, feed the person these different things. Like different tastes. Different tastes. Because we go by aroma and texture. I mean, it's really about indulging all of the senses, not just the taste, not Mm -hmm. just the tongue, but the nose, the skin. So what happens when you take that pear, you know, imagine your lover, their top is off. Take that pear that's cool and wet and it's got that little bit of grain in the, you know, the texture of the mm-hmm. pear. In the flesh. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you drag it across their nipple. Hmm. You know, and this is like, you know, this is, again, it's slowing it all down, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, you can put it in their mouth kind of slowly and, you know, with what whatever sort of sexual, sensual intentions you can evoke. And the thing is, so for some people, they're going to think, oh, this is totally absurd and this is so taboo or whatever to play like that. But it reminds me of one of my acting teachers once said, you know, any behavior is believable. 
You as know, long as you believe it. Exactly. I as mean, go to the tenderloin, believe- right? And, <laughs> and you'll right. be able to see like any any behavior any imaginable yeah, is, right. is out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, get behind it and commit and be congruent with like how you're loving and slowing someone down and treating them, like mm-hmm. indulging them. And even like the caper, mm-hmm. put one caper in someone's mouth and they get to play with it. Oh, like imagine an, that. Right. right. Because of the shape and the texture. The it's kind of like texture. a nipple or a clitoris. Um, exactly. Or a, Interesting. You know, and it's pretty hot. And it, and the person feeding them, too. One of the things I really like to impress upon people is the importance of taking pleasure in serving, hmm. in touching. Not just, okay, I'm going to be turned on because I'm pleasing you by touching you, mm-hmm. by feeding you. You're enjoying, so, oh, that excites me. But how can I actually do it in a way that feels really good to me does that make so sense? So you're feeling into your body, also feeling the pleasure of serving, also feeling the pleasure of taking attention to detail. Uh-huh. Taking attention to detail, the colors, the textures, the smells, taking attention to the contact, the physical mm-hmm. contact in your mm-hmm. hand of whatever you're, you're holding or their body as you're, you're touching them. Mm-hmm. So it makes a, a whole world of difference. So you're bringing them into their body with taste and smell and sensation and touch. But then you're also feeling into your body as you're feeling how it feels to serve this person and imagine those tastes and sensations. Yeah, Yeah, and Mm. really getting off on all of that. And and even knowing your partner well enough, getting curious with them, like, what do they like? Right. And really getting excited about giving them what it is that they like and exactly the way that they like it. Mm. You know, from like a cup of tea. How do you like your tea? Do you like it really piping hot? Do you like it with a little bit of honey, lemon, Mm -hmm. no lemon at all? There's a lot of subtleties and complexities. Yeah. So how do they like it? And I know me, I love being noticed and I Mm -hmm. love having things like I like it. Attention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Attention to detail. Attention. Mm -hmm. Attention is the... Presence. Attention and presence is like the major turn on, mm-hmm. whether it's chocolate or avocados or chili peppers or whatever, like that's sort of beside the point. If you're just like, here, baby, catch this. And it's like a little dust. <laughs> right. no, you just shove sexy, it into their mouth. Right. 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 Exactly. And people do that because they don't right. take the time and they're afraid to own their own sensuality. Mm-hmm. I think most people don't even get to the point of feeding each other. You know, they think it's like awkward or they're not used to it. So just to even get to that point of here, I'm going to feed you. And then if they did, probably wouldn't be doing it right to begin with. So yeah, probably well, takes a lot of communication. It does. I would say make sure when someone's really, really, really hungry, that's not the time probably to feed them because they're more in survival mode. Right. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. the limbic system, you know, is, is that lower part of the brain. It's the reptilian. Like, give me the food. Yeah, it's the reptilian <laughs> part of the brain that's all about, like, survival right. and pleasure. So you need to handle the survival part mm-hmm. first and make sure it's safe, and then you can sink into the pleasure part. Make sure it's safe. They don't bite your hand off. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or that they're not frustrated by you slowing it down. Come on, more food. Shovel that's it right. in. That's right. Because yeah. you know how you get when you're really hungry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll eat anything. You'll eat anything. Anything. <laughs> totally. No, yeah. I know. Cheez-Its pretzels or something. So is this the true indulgent food massage that you were telling yes, me about? Yes. Interesting. And you're choosing such interesting choices like the the Himalayan sea salt and the caper. Not something that I would have I would have pictured, but then I can also see if you're going between different senses and you're really wanting to awaken, yeah, you know? It awakens and surprise. Senses. Yeah. Mhm. Last weekend I taught a cooking class 
all about how we can make our seasonal food choices really sensational. Hmm. You know, both like tasty, sensational, mm-hmm. as well as full of sensation. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I had everybody, we got into groups and people, one person in each group was blindfolded and they were fed mm. various different, I didn't give them this list of foods that I just mentioned, the pear and the caper, et cetera, but I gave them some of the key things that I use in my in my healthy cooking mm-hmm. from like the umeboshi plum vinegar, oh, you right. know, or that um, stuff's intense. dried pickled shiso leaf. I mean, it's kind of mm-hmm. more sort of offbeat things to cook with that are extremely mm-hmm. healthy and really power punching like superfoods and mm-hmm. have a lot of flavor gamasio which is a toasted sesame and sea salt you know and oh. i had them trying these things so that they could start and then talking uh, while they're blindfolded what could they imagine using this in i see to sort of expand their imagination in terms of how to combine flavors hmm. It was fun, actually. I got some really interesting ideas right. of how to use some of these foods that I hadn't even thought of. Right. And so that's really what I love to do is evoke people's imagination so that they can, you know, whether it's eating healthier and making sure that they have enough variety, keep them interested in, and having healthy eating be mm-hmm. sustainable for them, or whether it just be like, ooh, something hot for the bedroom. Like, how can we expand our imagination? Right. Okay. So that's actually, I mean, I was actually torn between talking about setting up our kitchen for increased pleasure because we can do that too. But food and sex, let's talk about food and sex first, and then we'll talk about setting up your kitchen to make this all happen. So Um, what do you want to know? But we, once you take some food into the bedroom, what are some guidelines, some thoughts? I mean, certainly you'd want to be careful with sugars. Yeah, definitely don't do sugars. The reason is... The reason is, well... In- internally, you don't want any sugars. What what in kind your- of sugars? Like, I mean... Like, you wouldn't want to put... I mean, strawberries, right, is a very popular food at right. Valentine's Day. Right, right. So you wouldn't want to penetrate a woman with strawberries. You oh. cannot put sugar in a woman's vagina because it will give her a yeast infection. Not a happy oh. camper. That's then right. Will- also, things with glycerin, like flavored lubes, they're actually for external use only. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I see. know. New concept. I mean, a lot of people are all like, "Yeah, you know, let's whipped put the cream. chocolate up there." Yeah. You know, no, don't. And it's bad. It's-, it's bad for you. I see. I see what you're saying now. Uh, actually, <laughs> sticking things inside of orifices. Right. I mean, exactly. I've heard of this before, but I mean, it. <laughs> not- Sugar in the vagina and then lots of friction. Hello, yeast infection. Yeah, not too often though. I'm not sure. I mean, do a lot of people do this? Like play with their food in that way? Like well, stick- we're just saying don't. Oh. I mean, but. You could. There are There's... a lot of people on the planet doing all and sorts of things. So maybe a good number of them do. You who ne- you don't know. Ne- yeah. Never know. And, you know, if you do want to play with food in the bedroom, we want to help you do it in the best possible way, which is why we're talking to Marcy Prohofsky of the Orgasmic Kitchen. Well, what kind of foods are good to stick up your vagina? Um, Marcy? <laughs> Wow, sort of, you're like, huh. a whole new twist. Okay, I can't actually so, answer that one if you can't. I, well, I have. So, oh, really? Oh, yeah, you bet. Wow. So, okay, check it out. So here's here's one idea. So a good way to either experiment with different. So cucumbers are fabulous. You know, it's kind of cliche. In some ways, it's kind of cliche. Right. But if you go to Chinatown or some of the Mexican markets, they have cucumbers that are, are all sorts of really cool shapes. That have all sorts of. Mm-hmm cool Textures. curves and mm-hmm. stuff and you can That's cut right. them with the knife mm-hmm. down to the appropriate size give it accentuate a curve to make it a little bit more of a g-spot mm-hmm. you know for g-spot access and then cover it with a condom That's so it's right. safer could work can be really fun and just add a i mean it's very cool too so it adds a whole different 
Cool as a cucumber. Cool as a sensation, yeah. you know. Cool as a cucumber. <laughs> right. So it's a kind yeah. of a little thrill, you know. What ideas do you have? I was actually going to say the same thing. Although I think carrots are also appropriate. As like, and anything depends is depends how pointy, you know. It depends. Well, you'd want. I would actually use the thick end of the carrot and use the short, tiny end as kind of a handle. The pointy okay. And end. you can only use things like cucumbers and carrots vaginally. Because the vagina doesn't go on forever. And if you use something that doesn't have a flange on it yeah. for any kind of penetration anally, mm. you could be you could in the it. ER. I mean, there are, there, there are many, many miles, actually. You know, there's mm-hmm. quite a long length. Yeah, yeah, your intestines. In our intestines. Yeah, yeah it's it very long track. goes on for months. So you don't want to lose a cucumber in your colon. That's Amy. no fun. <laughs> Could you imagine? That's wow. not romantic. I know, wouldn't that be awful? But, you know, yeah. people lose things in there. Yeah. They end up in the ER, and then we talk about them on the radio. You yes. don't want that to be you. No, we don't. So keep a flange on your anal toys. Okay, good. So Wait, so should we clarify what flange is? Please. So a flange would be a border that's wider than the opening of the anus that mm-hmm. kind of stops it. Keeps mm-hmm. the butt plug from going all the way in your butt. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. All right. So I'm hearing carrots and I'm hearing cucumbers, but like you said, that's cliche. Sort of every that comes to everybody's mind when they think about that. I mean, anything else that's but, more You know, it comes to everybody people's mind, but not everybody's actual usage right right i think so i think what it is is like be willing to be playful mm-hmm. and experiment Japanese and, eggplants and wow. be open with anything as long partner. as you put a condom over it right you're pretty safe well so should you put a condom over every kind of food that you might conceivably insert into an orifice it, i mean because you could put a, stra- a condom over strawberry well it's you not going to feel any diminishment in sensation so i'd say yes yeah. The cucumber isn't going to be bummed out that you're making yeah. it wear a condom. <laughs> you know, I mean, the health of our genitals is very, very key. serious business, man. Yeah. You don't want to mess with it. That's right. People can get all sorts of infections mm-hmm. that they don't mm-hmm. really Bacterial even know that are yeast. going on. And then it can be really tough to get rid of them. You know, mm-hmm. it can come back again and again and again. And, and our diet choices actually impact the health of our sexual organs, our, the health of our whole bodies as well. So that's actually one great reason why we should be eating really healthy diets because our sexual organs are greatly impacted mm-hmm. by eating healthy and getting good rest because our kidneys like good rest and our kidneys rule our sexual organs. Most of us are underslept and drinking and eating processed foods and we've got all sorts of internal stagnation and we're kind of, you know how that thing that they talk about with frogs, you can kill a frog by putting it in a pot and you mm, slowly Turning turn up the up. water slowly. Mm. So that's how people in some ways are with their diets. You right. Know? People don't realize how stagnant their digestive system actually has become over the years of eating lots of heavy protein meats and mucus and processed foods and mm-hmm. dairy and so we're not actually infused with the vibrant nutritional the um, nutrients we need yeah exactly and so we are operating at less energy all right well now this is weird because this is what i think i'm hearing okay so you're suggesting putting a condom over whatever it is whatever sort of fruit or vegetable or food that you might use in the bedroom to sort of insert here or insert there but i think i assume when most people think of bringing food into the bedroom to play with while you're getting intimate they assume that you would insert a strawberry into their girl's vagina and then extract it and then, I dare say it, eat it or take some sort of fruit and rub it on the outside of the vagina and then feed it to them. Because otherwise, why would you bring food into the bedroom to play around with that way if you could just use toys? Because there's a whole arousing component of food. You know, there's the smells, there's the textures, there's the temperature, there's the color, there's the reminders of 
oh, I remember picking blackberries last summer and my very first boyfriend, you recall the sun that was beating down on your skin. You know, there's all sorts of reasons to bring in food. And the fact is we love food. In fact, I have a client who said to me, my spirit came into this world for the food and for the sex. That's right. You know, and he's like, and I'm not having sex right now. So this simple well food, man, is harsh in my buzz. Right. You know, but right. He, he gets it. He's been overindulging in both food and sex and his body is compromised. So right. he's willing now to like get his energy back by eating healthier. So bringing the fruits or, or any sort of other food into the bedroom is just going to help add sort of detail and texture to your memory of that moment, which is, is a good thing, but you're not supposed to eat the food per se while or after you're playing with Well, you it. certainly could. You it's do just whatever the... you really want to, as long as just these couple of simple rules. It's kind of the same thing that you wouldn't insert a finger in the vagina and then insert it in the anus and then go back to the vagina. There's bacteria that you pass through that's not healthy for mm -hmm. the vagina. So it's the same thing, just these very simple rules. And once you kind of know those and you and your partner both agree and back to the limbic system, right? You can sort of trust that your partner knows how to play okay. food. Because I think most people wouldn't know like what, what is okay and what isn't okay. I mean, just bringing food into the bedroom is, is a foreign concept to a lot of people. And then yeah. again, they have the question of, well, do, am I, do we, should, should we eat it after we're done playing with it? Or do we just play it with it and then throw it away? Or there's a lot of these it's, questions it's, it brings up because it's so different. Totally. It's about your comfort level, really. The food wouldn't hurt you if you were to eat it after you were done. It would probably taste like condom if you used it internally. But then there's always the thing where if you want to use food on the outside of a vagina and then eat it, I say yes. Mm -hmm. I say yes. Yeah. That would be fun. Right? Yeah. Totally. You'd totally. make little vagina jam and then just mm, go to town. Right. I mean, but it's like a it's vagina jam. <laughs> You're smashing your clit with <laughs> Or maybe something Some softer. I don't know. Exactly. Something Some, soft and nice. And cantaloupe or melon. Right. So the sugars are not do. going inside, so it's perfectly safe. And then you get that really, you know how when someone's really like accepting of the vagina and like really saying yes to all the squishy and swoopy and slurpy, that's sort of a fun thrill because it's like they're really taking that in. You're really taking in the fruit of pleasure and Mm -hmm. You know, really going to town on yeah. something. I, I mean, I say yes. what just occurred for me was just some people are totally willing for sex to be as messy mm -hmm. as it is. Because mm -hmm. sex is pretty messy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's some things look strange. The positions look strange. You know, if you're an observer, <laughs> that's kind of bizarre. Right. But, you know, it, it feels good. And you get lost in the moment. If you can actually be really fully present, mm -hmm. there's not much like it. And if you add food into it, which is like one of life's greatest pleasures as well, then, you know, you're a happy camper and you use it as foreplay and then you use it as much as you like in the actual sexual act. But it's also an opportunity to connect, That's you know, right. mm -hmm. and to share. Having that is a critical experience for everybody, mm -hmm. you know, and whether it's in sex or whether it's just to feel part of. That's right. We're talking with Marcy Prohofsky of the Orgasmic Kitchen, and you were head chef at One Taste for some time. Yes. Is that I, right? Yeah. That must have been a really interesting experience because One Taste, they've been known anecdotally as the orgasmic monks, and they live in sort of an urban commune in the middle of San Francisco and do classes on sensuality, and it really is about slowing down and really feeling the sensations on your body. And not only do they focus on real, authentic health, but also they do things like BDSM classes and that sort of thing. But it's about really feeling the sensations on your body, like really feeling the sensations after you finish a meal. Yeah. 
Just a quick correction. I mean, I'm not sure exactly where they're at, but the BDSM classes weren't actually taught by, by them. They sort of they hosted op- them. Yeah, or they opened it up for people to be exposed to a wide range of sensual and sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, so people can find what's the right fit for them. But the idea is, you know, BDSM is a pretty certain parts of BDSM is really all about sensation play, which mm-hmm. there's a lot of very like hard hitting strokes, which is in some ways antithetical to what One Taste was really teaching, which was really slow down and very soft, slow touch mm-hmm. of the genitals mm-hmm. to really awaken the range in which we can feel. It's an extraordinary practice, orgasmic meditation practice. I don't know much about it, but I know that it's a clitoral stimulation, sort of a meditation on the sensations that the clitoris provides, but only the upper... The upper left-hand quadrant of the clitoris. Yeah, is like this hard little C, like a hard little spot. Mm-hmm. And that's actually where about thousands of nerve endings coalesce. It's like the most ner- sen- sensitive part on a woman's body. And, you know, if you imagine like when you're having sex, you're actually, when we're kind of shifting our hips around, we're actually looking for to contact that spot. That spot. Mm-hmm. Grinding our pelvises yeah, together. So, mm-hmm. so this is a very soft, slow contact where you're touched there up and down on that spot mm-hmm. for the practice is actually 15 minutes long depending on the woman there can be a wide range especially at the beginning of a practice of how much you can feel some some women they're totally numb Mm-hmm. Some women, it you can't even touch there. It's so, so painful. It seems like it mm. could be a little sensitive. Yeah, but when I was doing the practice really regularly, I was encouraged, especially at the beginning, if I could stay with the sensation, mm-hmm. that there would be freedom on the other side. A really? Wide, a wider range of being able to feel. And that was absolutely true. What it was great training for is to be more able to handle sensations, a wide range of sensations in any regard to be more present and available, to stay present with anger, to stay Mm. present with tender, vulnerable feelings. So how can we stay Mm. more present in our lives? And that was great training for that. It was was like the coolest metaphor for life. I just love it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So you can learn more about Marcy Prochowski's work on her website at orgasmickitchen.com. You've got a bunch of recipes on there, some writing about food, how to take more pleasure in everything that you're doing. And I want to let people know that they can find that recipe with the avocado mousse, yeah. the avocado chocolate, chocolate mousse. mousse. It's on my blog at mm. sexplorationwithmonica.com. And and then, of course, I've got links to orgasmickitchen.com. And you also work with clients and help them learn how to be really authentically healthy and still have the busy life that they have. Yes. I'm a health coach and a personal coach, a life coach, but mm-hmm. with a real emphasis on getting people to... Nutrition and nutrition, sensuality. sensuality, and... improving their relationships, having communication just be more effective in their lives mm-hmm. so they're more fulfilled and more having more energy well when you think about how important nutrition is to your overall health it seems like if we were to be eat well it, you are what you eat yeah. if we were to be eating better we would have so much more energy available for everything work and consciousness and sexuality particularly with those high fat dinners for those aphrodisiac dinners, you know what I mean? Like all the duck fat and everything, you're going to like really be laying on the floor after that. All of the blood in your body is going to be directed towards your stomach and you're just going to be digesting. You're not going to have any, you're not going to have any blood left really for a full, firm erection. Mm-hmm. Be you a woman or a man. You know, women need that erection too. We all have yeah. erectile tissue. Yeah, women get chubby too. 
That's really? right. They're they just do. all internal. <laughs> In fact, women have more erectile tissue than men. Did you know that, Anthony? I did not know that. That's Learning right. something every day. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> I know, right? Learning is a great thing. <laughs> totally. So let's talk more about powerful foods. You were telling me about like some of the foods that you were recommending for people. And I can't remember if kale was one of them, but kale is a really hot food right now. Oh, yeah, kale. It's all about the kale. What is right? that? It's all. You don't know what kale is? I have See? no idea what it is. Oh my god, kale is so orgasmic. Oh, I've never heard of kale. it in my life. <laughs> no way. You okay? Well, you've seen it probably a million times because historically it's been used as a garnish. They'll take a piece of kale and they'll plop a, a tomato slaw on, there. on mm-hmm. there. It wasn't ever really meant to be eaten. It was just meant to like decorative decorate the plate. It's so it's like a leaf. It's a leafy green. It's a dark leafy green, mm-hmm. and it's extremely nutritious. It's like a brain food. People that do lots of kale, especially if you feed it to your kids, they're going to mm. actually do better in school. They're going to get smarter. They're going to get smarter. Oh, no. oh, well, no. it has it's nutrient dense. It's like broccoli like that. You can steam it. You can eat it raw. I mean, sometimes people think it's a little bit tough, but I've seen people tenderize it a little bit. Yeah, with you, can, some... you can tenderize it with good sea salt. I mean, you can mm. use any salt, but I don't recommend any other salt than a good sea salt. You don't like iodized salt? No. You know, it's stripped of all its minerals and then they add iodine back into it. And at a time, we needed that, Mm -hmm. you know, when they introduced iodized salt. But we don't, it's not really as healthy as choosing a a good sea salt. Mm -hmm. So you can chop up your kale and a few pinches of sea salt and then you sort of massage it in. Hmm. And that can tenderize. You massage your food. You massage your food, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I must confess, I'm a huge fan of cooked food. Mm -hmm. For a while, I was doing raw foods. But the majority of my diet right now is cooked food. And because... I do that more than I eat the raw foods. I feel a lot lighter, more energy, more grounded, more emotionally mm. stable. Mm. It's really working for me. Well, do they sell Good. kale at your average grocery store? They do. They actually do sell it at Safeway in your average grocery store. Even like some of the small little corner grocers might have it. But, you know, any of the health food stores have it. They, there's So some of the dark leafy greens are kale, collard greens, chard. One of the things that I really even like cooking, you know, if you get a bunch of beets, the beet tops, the greens mm, from the beets good. you can do, the, mm-hmm. the beets, the greens from the turnips you mm-hmm. can actually do. A lot of places, they'll chop them off. Mm-hmm. And throw them away. And throw them away, which mm-hmm. is a pity because they're super tasty, like daikon radish. Mm-hmm. The greens are really good. I mean, I had those just the other night. Oh, my God. Now, that was super orgasmic also. I just love it. <laughs> I See? Love... Orgasmic yeah. daikon radish greens. I, yeah. Did you know? No. If I eat these things, I'm not orgasm in my pants or what? Is that what? Well, you're not, I, I, well, I don't know. Well, see, okay. There's so or- orgasmic energy is life energy. It's life energy. It's not the act. When I think of orgasm at this point in my life, I don't think about it just as that moment of going over where you release energy and you tend to release also a fluid. Right, right, right. You're just you know, talking about the feel-good sort of lightness like in your chest when you're happy and you're well, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and there is some... The lightness in the chest, something has changed in your body, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's this involuntary musculature of the body that's sort of been taken over it's by... good, good sensation. Ex- yeah, good sensation. And sometimes it's not necessarily just good sensation, but when I tend to be like, oh, that's so orgasmic, I'm thinking of it as like pleasurable sensation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's noticing energy, and that's orgasm. Mm-hmm. And it weaves us all together. There's always connection available to us if we slow down enough to tune into it. Mm. You believe that food is orgasm and food is medicine. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. How do we use food as a way to connect with each other and as a way 
to heal ourselves, what sort of foods would you recommend that people choose? All illness starts with food. So we actually can heal with food. Now, what do you mean by all illness starts with food? I believe that all illness starts in the gut. Mm -hmm. Most of our digestive tracts are not healthy. Processed foods, lots of meats, lots Mm. of mucus forming foods like nuts or dairy, Hmm. you know, and so we can actually absorb. If you think of the whole digestive tract, the intestines are lined with little hairs. Those absorb the nutrients. Well, all those hairs, because of our modern diet, is coated with gunk. And so we're not actually absorbing the fullness of the nutrients that are being offered in our food. So we're compromised. So you're saying that if we ate a cleaner diet, we'd have more energy for life. We'd have basically. more energy for life, but we'd also start to flush out the stagnation. Oh, that's because, right. because what happens yeah. is because we're not actually being able to absorb all the nutrients, our food actually gets absorbed. Then that turns into blood. And that blood, that fresh blood gets distributed throughout our bodies and mm-hmm. exchanges the blood cells in our organs with fresh new blood. Mm-hmm. Well, we're actually not being able to make fresh, new, really vibrant, healthy blood cells. They're less than that with our modern diet. Our organs are not getting fresh, healthy, new, vibrant blood cells. So we're getting ill. Mm-hmm. We're not actually being able to replenish the unhealthy cells that need to be Now, replaced. are you talking about the amino acid pool? Like, Because I know that if you're lacking in amino acids, you aren't going to be able to start making new proteins. Like if you if you don't have a certain, like if you don't have all the amino acids available to you, like you're not eating a healthy, balanced diet, if you don't have the building blocks for all the proteins that your body is making in your blood, you're actually going to start digesting your own tissues. What I'm really that's talking important, about is... replenishing your amino acid pool. Well, your blood cells age. They get old and then they don't sure. work as and well as they and then they die and you make new ones. They don't replenish yeah, your organs. but we're not making the new ones, the new ones that are really like rich, mm-hmm. full, vibrant. They're not a 10 anymore. Your body, body stops making new ones after a while. In fact, I was just watching a documentary about this and they were talking about they have been doing experiments transfusing new blood, like completely new blood into old. Well, they did on rats. They took an old rat and they transfused it with new blood. And then they saw the old rat. It didn't turn young, but the aging effects that it was going through because it was old slowed down and started to come not to a halt, but really slow down the sort of aging. And so there is something to the the old blood cells. Like I said, after a while, stop replenishing themselves. Hmm, what an interesting study. So good, clean food makes good, clean blood. And the kidneys. We yeah. were talking about the importance of kidneys for sexual health. Yeah. Tell well, us more about the connection between the kidneys and sexual health. You know, well, in the Chinese food system, the kidneys, there are sort of the main organs, right? There's the lungs, the heart, the kidneys. And then there are the secondary organs that those organs rule. So the kidneys are in charge of the ears, the ankles, the reproductive organs. Oh, wow. So, so some of the key secondary organs uh-huh. and body parts, right? right? And so there's an imbalance mm-hmm. or a tendency for imbalance in the kidneys. You're going to be impacted. Your sexual organs are going to be impacted. Or your hearing might be impacted. So it's not uncommon. You know, I'm working with a woman right now. She has been experiencing vertigo, and she also has all sorts of polyps Mm -hmm. in her uterus. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't surprise me that she's got... That's kidney-related. Kidney-related. Interesting. So what we're looking at in her diet is really how can we support the kidneys and get more in balance and vital again. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you can do when you're cooking at home 
to take care of your kidneys? And what are some of the ways that you can start thinking about taking some of the stress off of your kidneys? I remember oh. you saying drinking less water, which I thought was an interesting tip. Yeah, you know, tip. the world, most of us... Less sugar? Well, less sugar, less salt, and less water? Or something we're craving more water? I couldn't remember the... It okay. seems like a cycle. Less water than we tend to drink. You know, most of us, I mean, I even too was carrying around my water bottle and chugging as much as I could, as much as we're told, drink eight to 10 glasses of water. And mm -hmm. we actually don't need that much. Why do they say that then? Just like anything, there's so many different philosophies. It's a matter of finding what philosophy works for works your body. For your body. Mm -hmm. And this is the philosophy that's really worked for my body. I mean, before I shifted my diet this way, I was having chronic pain, you know, because kidneys is, was, is my organ. You know, I have some hearing loss. And so in large part, I started shifting this way because I wanted to deeply heal my body. And I had chronic pain in my back. Mm -hmm. like my mid-back, mm -hmm. that actually was kidney pain. I thought it was back pain, but it was really kidney pain. Most of us, because of our processed diets and our high-salt diets, we tend to want to drink a lot of water because we're really thirsty. Mm -hmm. But it's not because our body really needs it. It's just because the food is still salty. Mm -hmm. I went out for dinner last night. The food was really salty. And this morning, I woke up and I was so thirsty, and but not in a pleasant way. Mm. So anyhow, I reduced the amount of water, and I started getting water through some of the grains that I eat and miso soup and teas, like healing teas and really reducing the amount of liquids. That and some other choices for the kidneys, like burdock root is particularly healing for mm. the kidneys, which very few people are like burdock. People don't even know what it is. You probably no, don't know what it is. Never heard of it yeah. in my life. Yeah. yeah. It, you can actually shred it in salads and it's really like kind of an earthy, rooty taste. Oh, it's so. But it's so delicious it's and really so, nutritious. so amazing. And it grows super, super long, deep into the ground. So you take on the energy of the food. So if you get, if you're eating burdock, you're like really, really rooted. Do they know? sell it in the grocery store? They, yes, they do. But, you know, it's not going to, I don't know that you'll find it in a safe way. You, you, they sell it at a Berkeley Bowl. It's called Gobo Root, G-O-B-O. Mm. And some places call it Burdock Root. Mm -hmm. So in some of the Chinese markets, you'll find it as Gobo Root. Maybe some of the other Asian markets as well. And then you can get it at most health food stores, mm. like Rainbow. Or... Mm -hmm. Let's talk about setting up your kitchen for increased pleasure. So the most important things, going back to like feng shui basics, get rid of clutter. Mm -hmm. Don't have things that are broken around. Mm. Have things around that you absolutely love using and that are also visually you love seeing. Cups that are actually, they feel good to hold them that you can sip your tea out of. Pretty plateware, mm -hmm. a knife that actually feels really good for you to chop with, but also feels good. The handle feels good in your hand. It's sharpened instead of a dull knife. I mean, taking care of your equipment, other things, cleaning up the kitchen. I love to cook. I do not love to do the dishes. That's strange. I'm I not... love to clean. I do not love to cook. I yeah. love to clean a kitchen. Well, it makes me feel so grounded. Then we, uh, I mean, we would be good roommates. Yeah, yeah. We, we, yes, we make, let's make a meal together. Yeah, right. I must say I'm getting more and more into like cleaning the dishes and mm -hmm. enjoying that grounding, slowing down process. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I generally need to take a little bit of a pause after I've cooked a big meal to mm -hmm. even want to 
go there. Really? I, I could just hop right up after the dinner is done and yeah. be like, oh, right, let's get to business. So I think but making the dinner is so stressful to me because I'm always worried that it's not going to, and it usually doesn't turn out right, you know? Oh, well, <laughs> then maybe you need to be part of my program. That's right. You'll leave with a, a whole new relationship with how to cook and a pride in what you're cooking. You know, mm-hmm. to have the experience be more pleasurable. And it seems important to cook for yourself because then you can really choose what you're putting in your body. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more control over it. I mean, we have no idea what they do with the food mm. and what they put in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, or, or how much sugar is going into it. And I think a third of all of our calories come from high fructose corn syrup yeah, in this country. it's totally absurd. I mean, this meal I had last night had so much crap in it, so much sugar and the sauces and... Mm-hmm. Everything was fried, but it didn't list on the menu that it was fried Brussels sprouts. Mm. Fried Brussels sprouts. Fried Brussels Aww. sprouts. Way to ruin a Brussels sprout. Well, I confess they were pretty tasty, but you know, <laughs> after the fried fried spring rolls oh, or right. fried dumplings, I, mm-hmm. I pictured a steamed dumpling. It was a fried dumpling. It was a fried piece of fish. It was fried. You know, it was like everything mm. was. I was like, wow, fried. Right. Brains are fried. Well, exactly. and I think what happens when you fry something is the starches in anything that you fry. It makes a chemical. There's not a lot of it, but it does cause cancer. And so they're really starting to think about anything that's crispy and delicious actually has a small amount of this chemical that I wish I could remember that starts with an A. And they were thinking of actually maybe putting a label on things in California that have this starchy, this fried starch in it that actually does cause cancer. I mean, yes, your chips are crispy and delicious, but it also has a small amount of this cancer-causing material in it. And it's, you know, mildly carcinogenic. Why is everything that's crispy and delicious bad for you? Sad, well, isn't it? You know, you... There's a lot of things that are good for you, though, that actually authentically taste good. And you can get some crisp in there if you know how to do it. You know, it's How all do about... you do it? How do you get the crisp in? Well, vegetables. Vegetables. You can sear them. You can take some good dulse seaweed and, like, quickly saute it and you get like this bacon it's like my sea bacon it's so totally you make awesome. sea bacon yeah it's okay tell me good. how to make sea i bacon. had some of that at the supper club you did yeah debbie lynn gave me a little bit of hers they had sea bacon at the supper club yeah they had vegetarian salad and it had fake bacon for vegetarians and it was oh well that might be a tempeh substitute but this is actually with seaweed just like to simulate it's like a non-processed really what? good for you seaweed is a particularly good like kale, like the dark leafy greens and the seaweeds are immensely essential. And just like, I just want to add like one thing about the feng shui in your kitchen, making it pleasurable mm-hmm. is I love to have my grains and my beans and things so I can see them mm-hmm. like out in a pantry or in a cupboard. I can just open them up and I see what I actually have to use because it inspires me. It's like, oh, I quick scan. Oh, I feel like eating this mm-hmm. or, oh, wait, my body's kind of craving that. What about having light touching your food? Doesn't that make some of the vitamins go away? Light touching? Getting exposed to air or light. Sunlight. If you have clear glass jars, your peanuts are more likely to go rancid. Yeah, I mean, light lets in the light. Nuts generally should be kept in the fridge. I mean, you know, or in a darker cupboard and mm. you know but with pastas yeah. and stuff you don't have to worry about it too much no you know it's better to be in a glass jar than it is keeping it in the plastic mm. or the bulk i like to buy a lot of bulks and i like to go to the farmer's markets and really like enjoy the experience of my shopping mm-hmm. it's amazing you can also save a lot of money going to the farmer's market especially at the end of the farmer's market oh really yeah because they really want to like not take all their stuff home with them oh right so you're like yeah. hey i'll give you da 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 for this right how about two bucks for three bunches of cilantro Right. And, you know, and they're like, 
okay. Oh, that's great. You know? Now let's talk a little bit about cooking in community. It feels like if you're always super in a rush and on the go and, you know, grabbing a food bar for yourself, it doesn't really feel like you're able to like really put a meal on the table and share it with the others of your tribe. Depending on whether you live at home with, you know, alone or whether you live in community with other people, but there's been studies done that John Robbins, who wrote Diet for New America, he wrote a book called Healthy at 100. He studied the different cultures that had the most centenarians, people that were at least 100 or over. Mm, mm-hmm. And the things he saw that were trends or were the commonalities is that people ate whole grains and vegetables. That was like the major staple of their diets. They sang. They did a lot of walking. And they had community and some sort of spiritual practice. Right. And the community and, the, you know, feeling that feeling of connection is critical. Hmm. So whether it's having a dinner party or packing up a lunch and then just yesterday I was at the car wash and this woman was like, because I brought my lunch and I was waiting for my car to wash. So I was eating my lunch and she was like, that looks good. I was like, oh yeah, it's great. Well, gosh, is that a delivery service? You know, I was like, no, I made it. She's like, oh my God, that's great. We had just a really nice conversation and Mm -hmm. another woman came and she said something about my food and Mm -hmm. we had a nice conversation. So there's all sorts of opportunities to get connected, you know, even at the farmer's market or shopping. Mm -hmm. I had one student in one of my cooking classes who was horrified. She was so afraid to cook and experiment. And she didn't realize, like, okay, she goes to the farmer's market. She, if something she doesn't recognize, but she's curious about, engage in a conversation with the vendor. Mm-hmm. Oh, what is that? Mm-hmm. Oh, how do you like to cook it? Mm. Oh, what can you recommend? What should I eat that with? And it totally changed her relationship with how she can experiment with foods, giving her more permission to like mess up. Well, that's the thing about messing up is when it comes to cooking is a lot and why a lot of people are afraid because I mean, well, anytime you mess up, it's a a learning opportunity to gauge where you went wrong and try again to try and perfect your skills, what you have to do to become a good cook. But with cooking, if you mess up, then the food tastes bad, or at least that's the thought behind it. So if you serve somebody some food that tastes bad, then it's egg all over your face. You look like a, a jackass or dumb or whatever word you want to use the food that you're cooking for somebody else. Yeah, well, I was raised, my mom and my grandma, they were total foodies. And I grew up in LA and I had friends that were from all over the world, lots of Asian friends. And we would go out to dinner and to Chinese and Japanese and Thai and Mexican and all sorts of stuff. So I was exposed to all sorts of different flavors growing up and naturally kind of curious and sensorily aware. And so just like the farmer's market, engage with the waiter. Oh, how do they make that? Oh, what's in this? You know, and then you can kind of start to log in your mind what foods combine together that create a certain taste that you really enjoy. Right. And, and then some interesting combinations right. are possible, like that oh. avocado and chocolate mousse yeah. that we are going to put on sexplorationwithmonica.com. I'm really looking forward to sharing that recipe. Yeah. yeah. And then sweet and sour, salty and sweet. Right. You know, all these right. things, the opposite of flavors, mm-hmm. contrasting flavors, contrasting colors when you plate up food makes things more mm-hmm. pleasurable. I mean, there's no excuse to not be totally... <laughs> having great food experiences and great sexual experiences. Amen, Marcy. Amen. I mean, especially in the Bay Area because we're so open. That's right. That's right. You know, there's such good education around Mm -hmm. sex, such Mm -hmm. good restaurants. Mm -hmm. There's great, amazing resources. That's right. And, you know, people could even have meetings with you or you do counseling about. So you can check out Marcy Prohofsky on her website. Do you have an orgasmickitchen.com all set up? Orgasmickitchen.com. Excellent. It's currently a blog Mm -hmm. and I put a 
link with my website there today so people can say hi to me. I'm happy to have a conversation and see whether there might be a match so I can help people have more of what they want in terms of their relationship with food or cooking or their sensuality. Oh, right. Well, thanks so much for coming on Sexploration with Monica. Thanks we have so more. Much. Yeah, my pleasure, really. My pleasure, really. Yeah, no, mind. Thank no you. mind. No mind. No mind. <laughs> so more orgasms still to come on Sexploration with Monica. Dr. Amy Cooper is here. We're going to talk about the Everything Orgasm book from erogenous zones to more intense orgasms, self-pleasuring with more satisfaction. Sexploration with Monica will be back in just a few moments. Exploration with Monica has a new sponsor. Let's Get Checked, a company whose mission is to make professional lab testing easy from home. You can take control of your health without leaving your house. Let's Get Checked is fast, affordable, and confidential at-home STI, wellness, and hormone test kits. You never have to put off STI, vitamin, or hormone checks again due to awkwardness, not wanting to visit a clinic, or the negative judgment of a healthcare professional. You are in control of your health. Even better, you get 20% off using my URL code. It's trylgc.com slash sexploration. Here's how it works. First, go to this website, trylgc.com slash sexploration. Then you choose your test online. It'll be delivered in discreet packaging, next day delivery. Just activate your test and collect your sample in the morning. Once your sample arrives to the lab, confidential results will be available from a secure online account in just two to five days. Sure, they do chlamydia, gonorrhea, HIV, and syphilis. But you can get the complete 10, including herpes 1 and 2, trichomoniasis, mycoplasma, ureaplasma, and gardnerella, or BV. Your test results will be reviewed by a physician, and a nurse will contact you for a phone consultation. If you test positive and need a prescription, no worries, no shame. They write you a prescription, and you can pick it up at your local pharmacy. Healthcare in your hands, from diagnosis to treatment without having to go to a doctor's office or lab. As a sexual health educator, I was so impressed. They offered an option to get tested for more than most doctors will let you get tested for. So, of course, I got the Complete 10 and a very discreet kit fit in my tiny, tiny mailbox. It's very empowering. You are in control and you don't have to leave home. And that prepaid UPS label means you can just schedule a pickup. Done and done. Let's Get Checked Laboratories are CLIA approved, which is the highest level of accreditation. All data is completely anonymized to ensure your privacy throughout the entire process. Getting tested is easy, private, and you can sign up for email notification when the COVID-19 at-home tests are available. First, they want to take care of healthcare workers on the front line. Then they'll have an at-home version. You can even sign up for a once-a-year subscription or three months or six months. And it just comes regularly. You don't even have to think about it ever again. Cancel any time. The website is trylgc.com slash sexploration. You'll get 20% off STI, vitamin, or hormone checks. And thanks for supporting freedom and health information by supporting Sexploration with Monica. Trylgc.com slash sexploration. This is Sexploration with Monica. And this is sort of like we're ramping up to Valentine's, so it's many, many orgasms all in a row. We were just talking with Marcy Prohofsky of the Orgasmic Kitchen about how to get better orgasms in life just by having more energy. It's all about what you eat. And also like literal orgasms with cucumbers. Right, I Anthony? I don't know if I can handle another orgasm. <laughs> 
Aww. I'm going to try. I'm sure you can handle it. I'm, I'm sure you can handle it. It's and, too much. Too well, much. <laughs> and, and this is going to be grounded in scientific knowledge because we have Dr. Amy Cooper. She's written the Everything Orgasm book. It's about orgasms on all the different levels, the emotional levels, the physical levels, the physiological things that are going on, your hormone cascades, oxytocin. Orgasm is a complex little nut, and we're going to try to crack it. All right. You ready? Let's do it. Let's. Yeah. Coming let's on the crack program. That little nut. <laughs> let's. So let's start out with connecting with a partner because it's easy to maybe have an orgasm by yourself. Sure. But when you're there in front of another person, it can be somewhat daunting. Right. To yeah. Connect with yourself. You Definitely. Know? So that's a big thing. I, I write a lot about the relationship in the book. It's essential. It's very important for the relationship to for the most part, feel good. And for different people, that means different things. Some people really need there to be a real sense of commitment. And oftentimes, the safety is so important as well. Mm. But not everybody necessarily needs that. Some people are fine being with somebody in a one-night stand, and they feel safe with that person for whatever reason. And, and, and that can work too. So, you know, for the moment, right. right. It doesn't, you know, it's sure. different for everyone. Whatever but works for the you. most part yeah. in the work that I've done with the survey that I did, it does seem that having a secure relationship really does improve people's experience of orgasm over time. Now you did a survey with your book, right? Tell me more about that survey. I wanted to see what people had to say. I was looking for people's input about their experiences with orgasm, and I had a lot of questions, and so I did an online survey, and I sent out a massive email to people, friends and their friends, mm -hmm. and got a lot of feedback from people. And I wanted things that I wanted to hear about that I wasn't finding in books were things like, what does orgasm mean to people? You know, what is the meaning of orgasm for mm. you? And then I also wanted a lot of people's just personal accounts, like their personal narratives of what their experience of orgasm was, both their qualitative experience of it and the different kinds of routes they take to orgasm, what seems important. And so I got a lot of information and it's it was fascinating actually to hear, especially with people's meanings for orgasm. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. ask you about that. Yeah. What is the meaning of orgasm? Well it's I it's, mean I suppose it would differ for everyone. Ex exactly. And I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of the same you know, some people have several meanings as well. They, one main one of course obvious is just sexual release. A release of pent-up energy, a physical... The crotch sneeze. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's very common for people. But then there's also the merging of energies with a lover and mm -hmm. the, the weaving of their energies together, a declaration of love and commitment. That sense of release and that you go into that no mind space and you're right. sharing energy and it's right. all this right okay right. and then some people take it beyond that just beyond their partner and it's a sense of merging with all that is oneness the divine, the divine exactly right. so that came up for quite a few people too and then for some people it's actually it's not always a positive thing isn't no it okay. well it mean, usually is a positive experience but there right. can be sort of some people have a, a slightly negative reaction to it because it means the culmination of the lovemaking. And oh, it's so, the end. Right, it's the end. So that can bring up feelings of sadness and regret that the lovemaking experience is over. Mm. If somebody has issues with orgasming before they're ready, um, right. that can be an issue. Stressful. Stressful, right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really is... And working so thing. hard to come sometimes, you oh, know, yeah. in that horrible oh, race yeah. of like, okay, you have to come really quick because he's oh, almost gone. Mm -hmm. Try to get... And right. then you get a cramp. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you have all this buildup and then the actual experience isn't really what you at were, you yeah exactly <laughs> right. it wasn't what you were hoping for you right. know it's just kind of like yeah. so yeah it's different and but for the most part you know the experiences were yes it's a mm -hmm. great thing and, and there are exercises that you can do to make your orgasms more intense 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There are physical exercises that you can do. And I focus a lot when I work with, well, in the workshops that I do and with couples on helping them learn how to build arousal more. If you're mm. a couple that's been together for a while, one of the main issues is that you're so comfortable with each other and you feel so safe mm. and connected and merged that you don't have much excitement. You know, there's the passion not that fear. Is, right, mm -hmm. exactly. So what I'm mostly working with with these couples is how to build arousal more. So we focus a lot on different kinds of erotic play, even erogenous zone stimulation, getting more into sensual bodies, learning how to relax into each other more. And breathing is really important. I mean, you'll hear, and I have done some tantra, it's not my specialty, but I found that coaching couples on how to breathe more and really fill and oxygenate Not hold themselves. your breath. Right, exactly. Right. Sensate focus is another big one for a mm. lot of people because we mm. spend so much time in our heads, that's where our focus is. And mind you, the brain and the mind is an incredible erogenous zone. And if you can mm. really work that into it, then that can do tremendous things for arousal. But it's also really important to just really be able to drop in to your body and the sensations in your body. And the more that you can do that, the more of you is on board for arousal, basically. Mm. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier with Marcy Prohofsky of The mm -hmm. Orgasmic Kitchen, how you can use food and play uh -huh. to really get people to get into their body so they can feel what's going on, so they're not right. in their head, so they're actually feeling the sensations on their body. Right, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. And in our culture, we are in such a productive culture, and <laughs> slowing right. down is big for people. Learning how to just slow down in their lives, learning how to transition from that worker bee mode right. to sensual mode mm -hmm. and connected to body, connected to each other as well. And learning how to like really listen to each other and merge into first your, your own body and mind and then another body mind in a sensual way. Mm -hmm. I often uh, have to really have couples examine how they can do that in their lives more. What are... How they can tune into each other. Yeah, and slow down. It's difficult to do that because that's a it reoccurring is. thing that we've been discussing on the show, especially when it comes to obtaining like a full body orgasm or mm -hmm. whatever, is that mm -hmm. people in their lives, like you said, are busy, worker bees. And right. we have a culture where you're supposed to keep yourself busy. And if your schedule is impacted with school and work mm -hmm. and some extracurricular activities you're lazy. And, and that's a whole different discussion, but people do pack their schedules. And so they're always buzzing from one place to the next. Got to hop in my car and drive over here. And then I got to start this project. And then they're and getting... how can you connect with your partner when right. you're so busy? Right. Yeah. When you're in that mode, you're constantly in that mode. And then when you get some time to relax, it's for yourself. It's to go to sleep and it, what little time you have. And then not to mention the fact that we have cell phones and laptops and TV. And that only adds to the mentality of multitasking, oh, yeah. doing a bunch of things at once and not slowing down and taking your time and focusing on one particular thing. Right. So one, one example of an exercise I offer to couples to actually spend time Usually I have couples with me so I can demonstrate. You can pretend Anthony and I are a couple. Yes. We're we not, but we can pretend. Okay, so basically what, what I would have you do, and it could be either one, but oftentimes it tends to be the man who's, I, I like to trade off a little bit, but the man, if it's a hetero couple, it, mm -hmm. it really doesn't matter who is in back, but have one person be the supporter in back and leaning against something propped up with pillows in a comfortable position and the mm -hmm. other person leaning against them sitting in between legs leaning against them and just breathing together mm -hmm. and actually spending time like this listening to music reading mm -hmm. touching 
stroking, sharing, talking, mm-hmm. possibly watching TV. If, if you're going to watch TV anyway, feeling supported is, by each other. Right. Exactly. And just to let yourselves melt into each other like that. Mm, how sweet. Yeah. Are they supposed to get their breathing in sync or something? You know, it's, you can stress about that because not everybody actually has the same breathing rhythm. Mm. Some people really can do this easily, but some people it's very challenging because sometimes somebody's just a shallow breather and they haven't. So if you can, great. If it happens naturally, mostly both people try and relax as deeply as they can. If they can, is that something you want them to shoot for? And what exactly does that do? There can be a sense of merging that happens with that when you do, when you get to that place. It can help you relax even more deeply. I always hesitate to have people strive for something that might be unattainable. It's like I say, start there. If that happens and that's something that really feels like it works for you, great. But don't stress about needing it to be this way because... Honestly, there are so many different paths to connecting and orgasm. Right. Right. And the point with sexuality is being where you are and really right. sensing into that rather than trying to have a goal and right. really going for your goal, right. chi- especially some unattainable goal, There's like orgasm or breathing same time or whatever. Trip right. about <laughs> a trip out about that. Oh, no, we can't get our breathing in sync. That must mean right. we're not meant like to be. Or like trying to have simultaneous right. orgasms or something. Oh, I mean, right. that's really hard. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, when it happens, just take it as a gift. And That's right. Yeah. And I mean, every orgasm is different and unique and every orgasm is good. And you just have to <laughs> welcome it and accept it right. for what it is. Right. Even the ones that are preceded shortly yeah. by bonking your head on the headboard. Right. Exactly. Or the little, <laughs> you just kind oh, of laugh. Okay. And go, I think I just had an orgasm. I'm not really sure. Right. Let's have a cuddle. Right. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and enjoy cool. the cuddle. So let's talk about erogenous zones. I'm imagining that there's more than we would think of. Oh, sure. Do we want to talk about which ones we can think of so far? I mean, there's genitals, there's necks, uh-huh. nipples. Nipples Nip- are oh, an erogenous. Yeah. Okay, wrists. Oh yeah, are an erogenous zone. Mm-hmm. Have you ever mm. bitten anyone's wrists, Anthony? No, I've never bitten anyone's wrists. It's good. It can be effective in uh-huh. some women, I think. Uh-huh. The earlobe is an erogenous zone. The ding, 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 mm-hmm. ding, ding, ding. Big points. Back of the knee, inside of the elbow. Mm-hmm. Have you ever bitten somebody's back of the knee? I think I probably have. Licking. Licking the back of the knee. Yeah, I've definitely licked the back Mm -hmm. of the knee. Yeah. So erogenous zones is, I love erogenous zones. This Mm -hmm. is one of my specialties. I have a workshop that I do just on erogenous zones. I've been a body worker for 15 years. And so I have explored the body. So I know the sensitive areas. And of course, I've done my own exploration as well. Mm. There are actually two types of erogenous zones that many people don't know about. I'll just throw it out there. It's just sort of the science behind it. It's There are specific erogenous zones and non-specific erogenous zones. And Mm. the specific zones are the areas that are mucous membrane-y, kind of close to the mucous membrane. So that would be oh. the genitals, the anus. Oh, the inside um, of the mouth. The mouth and actually the eyes, the eyelids. This is something I had no idea. Oh, the, wow. Yes. <laughs> the eye, Not the eyelids, actually, but the, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it. There's an anatomical name for the film that covers the eye, but you can access it by touching the eyelids. And I was blown away. Wow. If you are so aroused like, and you have your eyelids licked, it can be extremely the erogenous. The outside of the eyelid. Right. Just right on top oh, of the eyeball. Interesting. Let's try that erogenous. one. It's pretty sexy. If you're aroused. Yes. There are some erogenous zones that tend to work better when you're already aroused. Got it. Right. And well, then I mean, imagine if someone's like, okay, close your eye. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that like, might in not what work. context is this? Yeah. It has to be the right context. So, and then there are non-specific erogenous zones, which are the areas on your body that are where the nerves, there are more nerve endings possibly, mm-hmm. or the nerves are closer to the skin. Mm. And these are the areas, a lot of the ones that you mentioned, like the neck. 
the ears, neck, the neck, right, right. Um, the forearms, the wrists, and the inside of the arms. The thorax actually is another one. The sides of the torso. Mm-hmm. This is another one. Oh, right, the yeah. tickle spot. Right, and also sometimes this is something I didn't read about, but it's kind of known that tight muscles can be very erogenous. Oh, really? Yeah, like shoulders. Oh, right. Um, thighs. If you have really tight, you know, if you build up tension in your thighs, mm-hmm. and they often like to be bitten or mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of pressure. Of course, different erogenous zones want different kinds of stimulation. So I love going into like, oh, okay, what works for these different areas? What wants to be tickled, caressed, licked, nibbled versus bitten or slapped or... Right. Um, right. So... Because um, you can't really slap someone on their eyelid, no, obviously. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you could. You, you never know. know. Yeah. Some people might be into that. Have right. you ever tried no, it? I don't think it... True, exactly. Actually, no. <laughs> there we go. Slap your boyfriend on his eyelid next time. I don't time think he gets... I'm going to. Yeah. I don't think you yeah. would like that. Maybe tapping. Right? <laughs> I'm going to work up to maybe licking his eyelid at some point. Right. I'm going right. to try that one. I right. don't know about anything else. There's we'll um, another thing about erogenous zones. There's a couple of the Bodanskis who wrote a couple of books and basically connecting erogenous zones in your mm. body. So, mm. in a mm-hmm. sense, evolving your erogenous zones. So, you may start with just like specific erogenous zones genitals, your nipples, and your mouth. Mm -hmm. But then as you're aroused and more areas are stimulated, you can actually start to build connections and other areas you start to associate as erogenous because you're already aroused and your lover did something on your neck. And and next time, maybe he goes to do something on your neck. Whereas before, you didn't really have that connection. Now that you've been aroused and he's Mm -hmm. done this like, oh, amazing thing, he goes right for your neck and you're like, oh my God. Then it goes like zoom straight down. So you can actually build sensation by connecting the two pleasures. Right, exactly. So the mind is very tight in because the whole arousal and orgasms are all from there. It's about the nervous system primarily. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested, I'd love to talk more about that. This is this is information that I think a lot of people aren't even aware of. It's just like physiologically what's going on in the body. Mm -hmm. And initially, it's the nervous system. There's some stimulation that's erotic that the mind says oh okay that's erotic stimulation it could be mental it could be physical sometimes it's actually not even intended to be erotic you could be on a motorcycle and there's just vibration and you're like whoa Mm -hmm. and there's some stimulation of genitals and then that shoots up to the brain and what happens is that the brain gets the message and it triggers the endocrine system which is the hormones basically and that sends out yeah Mm -hmm. exactly it sends out chemicals And then your other systems in your body start to respond. So your Mm. cardiovascular system, basically, there's a process called vasocongestion, which is when the pelvic, the the veins constrict, Mm -hmm. so the blood stays in Mm -hmm. the pelvis. So more blood keeps flowing there, but then Mm -hmm. it can't leave. And then also the muscles, the musculoskeletal system, there are hormones that say relax, basically relax. And as your tissues relax, that makes more space for more blood and more pooling. And then this is the fun thing that happens is that once you have that, that stimulation, that cascading already going on, then the nervous system again gets triggered by the buildup of blood, the pressure, Mm -hmm. and then that triggers the nervous system to like, oh, send more of those hormones. So it just becomes this positive loop. Feedback. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And the arousal just builds and builds until hopefully, you know, you have some sort of peak experience, orgasmic experience. Right. Right. The do-re-mi of orgasm. Oh, yeah. That's the physiology. That's a hormonal cascade. Right. And... Right. Some of what I was just talking about. And I also talk about the anatomy, some of the sexual anatomy that 
a lot of people aren't aware. Most people know about the male genitals. They know about the scrotum and the penis pretty well. They know like what areas are sensitive. And mm-hmm. but there's still the vulva has still been a bit of a mystery to a lot of people. And mm-hmm. um, the clitoris, for example, when I discovered this, it just changed my world. And that is that a when lot you of you discovered people, the clitoris. Just how big the clitoris is, actually, because it's Huge. not just that tiny little nub that a lot of people think, you know, at the top. It's it actually has legs that go down and are under the surface of the labia, the inner labia. Mm. So there are bulbs that actually fill up with blood that are blood that are connected to the clitoris. So mm. so the tissue of the clitoris is actually very extensive. And that's the crura? The crura, exactly. Which right. means legs. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the vestibular bulbs, another scientific vestibular term. Bulbs. Yeah. Is so, that also part of the clitoris? Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Right. There's a chart in the book that shows that. And it's newer information and a lot it's a lot more books and things are going to be showing that. And you actually talk about how to tune your instrument, like how to tune, I imagine, your genitals. Oh, is that the sensation where you can actually connect the two spots orgasmically? No, not in that chapter. I have, the tuning was actually a metaphor for, I used in the book for the body being like an instrument. I see. So I use that metaphor a lot. So when I'm talking about tuning the body-mind instrument, it's more a matter of just really paying attention to all the different parts Mm -hmm. and being able to address all of these different pieces so that you can have, you know, a richer, more fuller experience. Because we're all in different places and there are different areas that might be needing to be tuned in different individuals. And the body-mind is a big one and a lot of people don't even consider that. You know, this is where I'm considering your health, your fitness, just your mind frame, you your know, where your state, your mental state and whether or not you can sleep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then your maybe just your basic ideas about what sex is, whether or not you have any shame. Whose job it is to make you come. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's <All> right. right. <laughs> well, see, then the thing is, is when it's like someone else's job to make you come, sometimes there can be resentment if it's not working. Right. Like if I say, okay, we're co-creating my orgasm. Like Uh if there's something I can do to make myself feel more pleasure, Mm -hmm. I'm not like taking it away from my partner if I do it myself. I'm just adding to my own pleasure. Right. And that way he or she could be up to their eyeballs and all sorts of things that they're doing, but I could be doing one more thing. Right. You know, like I shouldn't be embarrassed to do something better. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. I am an advocate for self-pleasuring with and without your partner there. Your partner hopefully will want to assist in your arousal and orgasm. And if not, then you should look at that and probably do some counseling around that. (laughs) However, ultimately, everyone is responsible for their own arousal and orgasm. And that means not necessarily that you have to always do it yourself or Mm -hmm. be responsible with your own hand. Mm -hmm. But that means communicating about what your needs are or working with your partner to discover what will work, you know, trying new things and saying, let's try this. Maybe this will work. Sometimes it means, yeah, okay, I'm just, I think I need to man or woman my clitoris (laughs) (laughs) so that I can have an orgasm now because Mm -hmm. whatever it's, I need to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, and most women do need some clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm. I heard it was something like only 10% could have an orgasm without clitoral stimulation. And then 75% of women can have orgasms but need clitoral stimulation. And then 10% of women haven't had an orgasm yet. Mm -hmm. So it seems Mm -hmm. like we need to be talking about orgasms. Oh, yeah. A lot more. Yeah, definitely. You have some stuff in your book about how to have more intense orgasms. How do you build Mm -hmm. the intensity? 
So there are various practices that people do. There are different ways to have intense orgasms. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of it's about building arousal. And I talked about that a little earlier. Mm -hmm. But there are practices that people do. BDSM is one example, power exchange. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who play in that realm claim to have really intense orgasms. Mm -hmm. And essentially it's because it's so much about building arousal. There's so much foreplay. Almost everything they do It's about stimulating and building arousal. Mm -hmm. And then there's also this element of trust that's going into the relationship of surrendering. When you can completely surrender control and you're letting someone else do the pleasuring and Mm -hmm. the stimulation, that's a very vulnerable thing Mm -hmm. for both people, really, because the person who's taking charge might feel vulnerable because they're having to perform so Mm -hmm. much and they really want to create a good experience for you and then the person who's submitting control is vulnerable because they're submitting control you know right but sometimes that can be a really safe thing too oh yeah oh definitely and of course we all know that the person on the bottom is always the one ultimately in control that's right Mm -hmm. um, because they have safe words and if they're not happy then the scene does not continue Right. right 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 So they often have very intense, both physiological responses and orgasm, but also emotional intensity. Mm -hmm. So that's one sort of, I call it a practice. And then Tantra or expansive orgasms. I mean, people call it a different thing, but Tantra is pretty popular. So we'll just go with Tantra. And that, the practices that they do, to some degree, it's a little bit of polarity. So it's a little bit of power exchange, actually. It's a little bit of playing with masculine and feminine polarity. So it is a little bit more about the feminine being receptive Mm -hmm. and the masculine kind of stepping into the more dominant or directing sort of role. And there's a lot of work on breathing, focusing on breathing and sensate focus and getting into your body more as well. Usually intensity comes with both building arousal, spending a lot of time connecting and feeling the merging and the safety and the trust as well as building the excitement. Mm -hmm. So it's those two things. When you can increase safety, trust, and increase excitement, it usually intensifies the experience of orgasm. And it seems like if you want to build more pleasure, one thing to do is to be aware of your pleasure, to use your mind not to be thinking about anything else, Mm -hmm. but to be using your mind to think about what you're experiencing in the moment. Right, yeah, I think that's incredibly powerful, just being with the sensation in Mm -hmm. the moment. Personally, and I've talked to other people who are able to really get aroused through their thoughts alone and through not just thoughts, but actually focusing on erogenous zones so much so that they just start to feel the pleasure and start to relax more into the pleasure of their genitals. And so they're not even stimulating themselves. They're just feeling into that area and feeling the sensation of those cells being alive. Right. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. And that's an amazing practice to focus on that. No touching, just bringing your awareness to the sensation in your genitals Mm. and the warmth, the vibration, Mm -hmm. and just keep relaxing into that and opening into that. That's kind of like a a sexy Vipassana meditation, you know what I mean? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Right. Cool. So let's talk more about self-pleasuring with greater satisfaction. Mm -hmm. You have a chapter called Practicing Alone or Playing Solo. Mm -hmm. I do that um, all the time. Yeah. Well, one of the things that in our culture we think masturbation is bad and even masturbation means to disturb or defile with the hand. Masturbation or self-pleasuring, as I think it's more correctly called, Mm -hmm. is just one of those ways to like give yourself pleasure. It teaches you how to have more pleasure. It teaches you how to focus on your sensation. It seems so good. It is good. It is good. 
sometimes people just need a sexual release and that's fine and they mm-hmm. just go straight for the genitals to release whatever the energy is I frustration frustration right. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly well there's a lot of things in this world that yeah. you know sometimes you're not really on page with right <laughs> right <laughs> you might as well squirt it out your wang you know right. what I mean right. rather than having some sort of heart attack about it right, right exactly and that's important <sighs> that's definitely important but earth. then but then you know there's also just lo- loving yourself spending time mm. caressing yourself you know I suggest for people who actually are experiencing frustration a good practice would be to breathe more with the pleasure of the feelings that's for me it's like I'm trying to increase the amount of arousal I can hold in my body mm. without needing to release it. Without needing to right. come yet. Exactly. Cool. Right. Because it builds it more and more. Because actually, as a woman, I get frustrated too. And so sure. I know I, I'm not a man, so I, I can't say that I, I have had that degree of frustration but I have been frustrated before, and mm. I know what that feels like, and it's not fun. All right. and <laughs> no, I don't feel so alone. <laughs> the, the different thing is that I am a woman that I know that if I really want it, I can get it. <laughs> and it's a little right. bit easier for women, unfortunately, to, I mean, and to, ha- to find a partner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, to find somebody with, who I can re- actually have Although an There's always with. yourself. And Thank there's God. myself. Mm-hmm. Right. If you can't have Wang, you can always have pussy. Yes, exactly. Hooray. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but breathing, you know, really breathing deeply into it and hold and just letting that energy move throughout my body to start to welcome in the big sensations of that arousal. Mm. What can happen then is it starts to spread rather than it re- needing to just release it. So you're building your arousal, feeling mm. your pleasure, trying to not have an orgasm, and you feel like it goes all over your body that way? Right, exactly. Yeah, my whole body can aw- awaken alive, and other people have these experiences too. Hmm. At the door? I'm not expecting anyone, but... Should I go check? Are you willing to? Yeah, Why I mean, not? it might be something for Antithesis Radio that's coming on at 10 o'clock. Right now, we are talking with Dr. Amy Cooper about her Everything Orgasm book. We're talking about self-pleasuring and erogenous zones and how to have more intense orgasms. In fact, in just a few moments, I want to talk about putting your body where the mouth is. Oh. <laughs> some, some oral paths to pleasure. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about the sensuality of playing solo right. and really how to play with yourself in a, in right. a pleasurable way right. rather than just having yes. a crotch sneeze. Exactly. Spend more time caressing yourself. I have like a whole ritual that I like to encourage people to do and that is like to bathe to actually get into a relaxed place and Mm. then to spend time looking at yourself in the mirror and just admiring acknowledging your beauty whatever you see there that is beautiful really spending time just caressing and feeling your self-love and tease yourself rather than going straight for your erogenous zones your genitals and um, oh, right. Time. Yeah, totally. Isn't yeah. teasing yourself and yeah. sort of talking dirty to yourself? It's a oh, good yeah. trick. Right. And play around with different body positions. You know, there's a way mm-hmm. that we can get stuck into right, with right. ourselves too, mm-hmm. right? So explore, like maybe don't even be in the bed. Maybe stay in front of the mirror, you know, and... That's right. Right. I'm done sorry. It? You've done it. <laughs> done it. Yes. Done uh-huh. it. Been there, done that. I remember doing that when I was in college, actually. <laughs> oh my God. I just yeah. did it for the first time recently and I thought it was like news. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, I was standing up masturbating in front of the mirror. Has everyone tried this? And everyone's like, yes. I'm oh. like, it's so oh. good. And they're like, oh. uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, so new. So let your mm. fantasies move your body, you mm-hmm. know, so let your body move around and let your body also influence your fantasies too. Like mm-hmm. the kinds of positions you say, oh, wow, yeah, that reminds me of 
up against a wall, for right. example, that can be really hot. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. Take it out of the bed, you know, do have fun with yourself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it can really build up the heat for your own videotape it, put it on the internet. There there we go. Go. No, you, just, you, you could make a few bucks for you, sure. I'm just kidding. I would never do that. I'm just suggesting. So let's for other people, mainly girls. You want to talk about oral sex, Anthony? What about it? Put it's good. your body where my mouth is. Oral paths to orgasm. I have to. I have to credit my partner for that title. He, it's nice. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I love put your oral body sex. where my mouth is. Right. Exactly. And someone was recently invited me to. They used the f word, but they said, you know, f my face, and I was like, oh. Uh-huh. I've never even thought of that. Like a woman could f a guy's face. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because yeah. I mean, usually you think of like the woman always reclining, but uh, there's a lot of different things. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Certainly hadn't occurred to me, but hey, sure, why not? I love I love oral sex. I love giving it. I think I've given more oral sex than I've received. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. It's very intimate. A woman lets it you really is. down, yeah. and I've had some yeah. women who won't won't let me and I always it's always a curiosity is it because they're insecure about maybe how they smell down there were they traumatized as a kid and they don't like anybody to go down there in that way because Mm -hmm. it brings back bad memories or what but Mm -hmm. on occasion some girl just be like I'm not into having that done to me which blows my mind because I would never deny someone the opportunity to go down on me well I mean it can be different I mean I'm sure it depends on the woman I think it definitely could be she feels insecure and doesn't want someone to know how she feels or tastes or smells or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then also, you know, there can be some, like, if you're not a good communicator, mm-hmm. which sometimes as a woman, it can be really hard to communicate about what feels good and what really actually is too sensitive. Sometimes uh-huh. guys can really get, now everyone's like, know where the clitoris is. So then guys can get really too clitoris focused. Right. And then they're still, they're like hammering away at your yeah, clitoris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And you're just like, oh my God. Right, right. You're like, actually, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> another <laughs> thing. Stop. Another thing that it could be or has been, I think, um, mm-hmm. which is a, a peculiar to me, is that I will start seeing somebody mm-hmm. and the relationship will fizzle out maybe after a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months. But as far as banging, like actually having intercourse, like penis to vagina intercourse, mm-hmm. that's fine with them. But going down on them is a little too intimate. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah, it can it, be pretty yeah. intimate. Yeah. It, it, but it doesn't that seem sort of backwards? Like you would let somebody go down on you before you would bang them. Like, isn't that the order of intimacy in terms of sexual? Everyone is different. The sexual right, ladder. You know? right. Some people think kissing is much more intimate oh, yeah. than sex. Right. There's like porn stars who'd be like, oh, I'll bang every guy in this room, but I won't kiss any of them because that's too intimate for me. Right. right. Well, you know, everyone's different. Yeah. And I would say if you're with somebody who doesn't feel comfortable with any kind of behavior and you're curious about that, that probably the approach would be in a non-pressuring way to ask. Oh, why why is that? Yeah, no. later on open up the lines of communication. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of women in particular and some men need to just set their boundaries and know that they're gonna be respected. Mm-hmm. Chances are she hasn't had a positive experience with it before. So she doesn't know that you know it could be good. It, it can be good, right. Mm-hmm. And not everybody is... And if it's boring, you don't have to put up with it for too long. Right, right. <laughs> and some people just want to enjoy the ride. They don't want to have to communicate play by play what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes communication is better. What I often suggest for couples and people is to have sometimes when you're with your lover where actually it's you're learning about each other's bodies. Right. That's right. And you're setting aside the time aside to actually 
ask questions and does this what do you like yeah. this what do you think well, some I mean, people are apprehensive about that because they have it backwards and they think that by talking about it while you're doing it takes away from the moment whereas in fact it's actually the opposite oh, where... yeah. it's going to add in the long run you're so much better off if you do some of that you don't have to do it all the time mm -hmm. you know we definitely want to let things just run their course and just play and explore you don't want to have to work that much it's like when i <laughs> when i get a massage because i've been giving for so long i have certain things that i like but Honestly, when I get on the massage table, usually I just want to tune out and just go for the ride. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to have to say, oh, could you do this now? And what about this? Right. You know, but sometimes it's like, yeah, I really want to work that way because I want, there are certain things that I really need done. You know? Yeah, that's a good, uh, right. good, good analogy because when right. somebody's giving you a massage and they're massaging a part of your back where you don't really need it to be massaged, it doesn't feel good, but there's another part of your back right. where you're like, I really want you to massage the right. left side right. and you speak up about it. You're vocal right. about right. it. Right. And that's it. We should talk a little bit about that. You know, giving feedback when something's happening in a sexual encounter that's not working for you mm -hmm. how do you let your partner know and this is really hard for some people it's hard especially women who are taught to be sweet and nice mm -hmm. and they're sensitive to their lovers feelings you know, feelings and ego you know totally. so it's really important to learn the art of giving feedback let's say your lover is going down on you and it's just too much pressure, too much intensity on your clitoris. Mm. Maybe don't, you know, don't just go, hey, whoa, 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 buddy, whoa, back off. <laughs> right. You know, that'd be kind of like, whoa, whoa. It might be wrong. sort of off-putting and right. scary for him. Right. And mm -hmm. he may not want to go back there, you know, right. for a while. But if you say, oh, God, I really love that you're willing to go down on me and I really, really like the wetness of your mouth. It feels so good. I think I really need a little less pressure, though, on my clitoris, or I need you to spread out, you know, mm -hmm. move your tongue around more, maybe a little bit. And then, you know, when they change it, oh, that feels good. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's, mm -hmm. yeah, that's it right there. So you first say something nice. Right. And then you say, this is how it could be a little bit better. Right. And then you reward that by with a lot of, mm, mm. right, right. <laughs> you don't necessarily, you know, and every relationship is different. And if you've been together for a while, you know, and your partner's like, you know, you don't have to say the nice thing. Just let me know if I need to change something. Well, so if the nice thing is true, it's not so oh, bad to hear well, it. Well, that's true. And it usually is true because otherwise, right. you know, you would just say, yeah, I'm not in the mood for this right now. Right, <laughs> right, right. Once I wasn't sure how to communicate my feelings and it pent up too long mm -hmm. and the person just was hurting me over and over and over and I couldn't say anything. And so finally I just snapped and oh, I no. accidentally hit him in the head. Oh no. Oh, <laughs> totally. No. Like he'd just been biting me. He'd been, he was following oh. my instructions because I said, well, I like being bitten a little oh, bit. Oh. You know, and he's like, oh yeah, okay. So I'm just going to try to be feisty. And so he's biting me, biting me, biting me. And I just couldn't say anything because I was 20 and shy. Oh. And I just slapped him in the top of the head. Oh, no. So you oh, really want to dear. say early and often, what's going on for you? Right, right. You know, and so that's you don't a skill. smack someone. <laughs> and don't beat yourself up too much. If You you know, it takes a while. to. <sighs> this is a skill that takes a while to develop, too, because we're not raised in a culture that's, well, first of all, that talks about sex at all, mm, you know. And then right. also about how to get our needs met. We're learning about how to get our needs met and communicate that. So. Mm-hmm. I also want to talk about you deserve a hand, mm -hmm. manual paths to orgasm with a lover. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes we think of sex is always tab A and slot B, when really so much of sex could be so much more than that. And, mm -hmm. you know, hey, what a great way to prevent the spread of STIs, sexually transmitted infections. Oh, you can't yeah. get pregnant from manual sex. Mm -hmm. I wish they were teaching about manual sex in abstinence-only education. Why don't they? I know. They should. They should. They should. Mm -hmm. I have some strong feelings about this 
topic. What about it? Well, I think a lot of guys agree with me. You're talking about if I'm if I'm with a chick, us manually stimulating each other, me manually yeah. stimulating her, her manually right. stimulating me. Uh huh. Well, see, my my thing about that is is like I feel like I'm an expert at beating myself off, and uh-huh. that anything a girl's gonna do uh-huh. is gonna fall short. And there's a lot of guys who interesting who uh-huh. feel this way that I, if I want a hand job, I'll do it myself. And I'll, yeah. I know the right amount of pressure to give myself, right. the right, right amounts, the right speed. And usually when a girl does it, it doesn't feel that great. I mean, I'll take it if that's the only thing I can get from her. But uh-huh. if I'm going to be intimate with the, if she's willing to give uh-huh. me a hand job, she's probably willing to go down on me and give me a blow job. And or if that's not, give me, you can't do for yourself. give me oh, the, she uh, isn't, though? give me the <laughs> vagina. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. If that's all that's available. your mouth is tired and you're like, okay, I've done this. I've done that. You know, we tried this. Can we just kind of go back to something that's not going to hurt me at all? Well, that's af- nice. After all that other stuff is done, right. then right. me being a guy, the pig that I am, does, is, is done. You know what I mean? I'm not going to let you get away with that. You are not a pig because you're a guy. You don't, you take that language back. Right. I take <laughs> it back. <laughs> generalization. I, take, I take it back. But what I'm saying is if we've already had sex, then I'm not going to go, okay, let's manually stimulate each other. I'm, I'm going to be, well, I hate to admit it, but selfish and just be, go watch well, sports. What if center. she didn't come or something? Then I'll go down on her. Yeah. Or I'll manually stimulate her, but I don't need her to manu- manually stimulate me after we've had sex. Like I said, if that's the only thing that's available to me, if that's all she's willing to do, then I'll take that. But I could do 10 times better job than she can at beating myself off. So, so yeah, okay. Uh, so this okay. Is, we're in the territory now of what I call arousal maps. So different things work for different people. And so that's fine. So mm. You just communicate what it is that right. works for you and what doesn't. And I would also suggest that there could be something to finding the right woman or teaching a woman how to stimulate you with her hand in a way that lets you surrender, you know, because there's some way that when somebody else is doing it for you, you don't know what's coming next. Mm. And so there is that element of surprise. And if she really does have technique, and you probably just, you've been doing it your whole life, so you have the technique. But there are some women who've had a lot of experience who can be really sensitive and tuned in Mm. that they might be able to give you a ride that you couldn't give yourself because you can just completely surrender to the unknown of what's going to happen. You know, Amen, Amy. Amen. Free John. Free John. <laughs> but, you know, I understand if you're with someone and what they're doing really isn't working for you and it's not really, you know, you'd rather do it yourself and there's other things you'd rather do with this person, then, then fine. It's, you know, you negotiate what's going to work with this person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's totally fine. We're talking with Dr. Amy Cooper of the Everything Orgasm book. I love your work. You call it Love Your Sex Life. Right. So loveyoursexlife.com. So this is all about just being with yourself where you are Mm -hmm. and finding ways to love it more. Right. Exactly. And finding, I work with people to find what their edge is, like where's the next step that's going to take them to more arousal, more pleasure. Because we often get kind of stuck in our little patterns and ruts. And mm. the, everybody has an edge somewhere. And it's a different place for everyone. Auto-erotic exfiscation. <laughs> Did I say that right? <laughs> Breath play. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what that is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's his edge. That's... Is that your edge? No. It was, it was a bad joke. Apparently nobody got it in the room. But oh, no, I mean, I, that's some people's edge. Yeah. Some people well, okay. choke he, themselves out. And... Yeah. There are a lot of other factors that come into play there that... When it comes to using any... But we're talking about your own edge, not like the edge. Because, I mean, that's kind of the edge, like teetering on the brink of consciousness. We're talking about one's own edge in that, like something that you're not usually doing. For instance, I get stuck in the rut of always wanting to play with my own clitoris. 
like you, I know how to do that better. That's awesome because you know what? There's been a number of girls who I've had sex with who are afraid to do that and don't want to do that when I think that is what they need to do or should do to right. bring themselves to orgasm. orgasm. And then right. they always wonder why they can't Aww. bring themselves to why why I'm why it's, I'm not it's really important them to, to orgasm. Yeah, right. it's important to play with your own clitoris if yep. you're having trouble getting an orgasm. It right. will help you. And I yep. appreciate it when girls do that. It's sexy. You know, I would really recommend being like, you know, it is so high. I love it's so hot watching you play with your own clitoris. Like really reinforce that. Mm-hmm. Because if, if I hadn't had partners when I was about 20 who had said that to me over and over and over again, I mm-hmm. would have felt really self-conscious about doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's the only way that I ever started having orgasms during sex. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I used to bang this chick for a long time. And she was a nympho, not only in the the sense that she wanted to have sex all the time, but also when we had sex, she wanted to go on forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm good for, I'm not a minute man, but I mean, <laughs> I can't last that long. I go, I'm good for 15, 20 minutes, but anything beyond that, I don't know. I start getting tired and disinterested, which mm-hmm. I should really that work on myself. You actually do lose some sensation, I think, as a man, keeping going, 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 mm-hmm. going. You lose mm-hmm. sensation, right? Right, right. But oh, she, yeah. she never ever stimulated her clitoris while we were having sex, and I didn't for the I didn't think of it to even mention it to her, and this was when I was younger or mm-hmm. whatever. But she could never attain an orgasm, and there's mm-hmm. some women who just are not capable of attaining orgasm. There's a Actually, percentage of women who no. are not. No, that isn't. It's uh, very very rare. You'd have to have something physiological ner- wrong with your nervous system, basically. No, any woman who has a clitoris, and even women who have had clitoridectomies, can have. Some have reported to have orgasms, and that's because they haven't actually removed all the tissue. So you're saying most women, if not but almost every woman, it's should be very, able to oh yeah. obtain an orgasm. Oh yeah. Well, Unless that and you she's... can have an orgasm asleep, so it's oh yeah. a psychological event. It's not necessarily oh yeah. a physiological yeah. event. Mm. And one of the things is that this may have a really a big role, is that a lot of women are afraid of well, surrendering for one and what they might look like. What, That's true. What kinds mm. of expressions mm-hmm. it's the release. And they just haven't found their path there. And so yeah. I, that's why I recommend self-pleasuring is yeah. find your own path there by yourself in the safety and container of your own space and explore that with yourself first before you try and have one with a lover because that can be a lot more challenging. Well, Dr. Amy Cooper, I hope we get to have you on the program again. I'm really looking forward to exploring your book more. Mm -hmm. And we do have to make way for Antithesis Radio coming on at 10 o'clock. All right. Um, People can find you at loveyoursexlife.com. That's right. Dr. Amy Cooper, The Everything Orgasm Book. Yes. Thank you. Yum. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> thanks to my token straight guy. You're welcome. This is Exploration with Monica. A final thanks to our sponsor. Let's get checked. 20% off professional at-home STI vitamin and hormone checks at trylgc.com slash sexploration. You can subscribe to Sexploration with Monica on iTunes and have new episodes delivered automatically. Or download free podcasts at sexplorationwithmonica.com.